3: Thanks to MasterCard for sponsoring this episode. Head to MasterCard.com backslash smallbiz to learn how they're amplifying and supporting Black women entrepreneurs.
2: You know, know what you're getting into. Make sure it's a reputable school. That it's not one of these, you know, fly-by-night for-profit schools that's just out to Mm -hmm. gouge you. Try to get the best interest rate that you can. Understand how much you're borrowing. Borrow just what you need. Don't borrow for vacation. This is not, you know, free vacation. This is not free money, because you're gonna have to pay it back. And then, plus interest, interest, and then figure out, you know, the kind of job you're gonna need and get on a plan. And you pay it off. I mean, I paid off thousands and thousands of dollars of student loans. Tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands, but it was so worth it. If I had to do it again, I would do it all over again. You're listening to Money Moves, powered by Greenwood, a finance
3: podcast dedicated to dropping all the knowledge and gems from the world's leading celebrities, entrepreneurs, and experts in tech, business, and more. I'm your host, angel investor, technology enthusiast, and media personality, Tanya Sam. Each week, we talk with guests who are making significant strides in their fields and learn how they are making their money move. If you're someone who's looking to make your money move, you're in the right place. So open up your notes app and lock us in because this podcast will give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance you so rightly deserve. Before we start the episode, I'd like to remind you to check us out at gogreenwood.com and follow us on social media at Greenwood and me on all things social at It's Tanya Time to stay locked in to new episodes. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back. Today, we continue our conversation with California super lawyer and best-selling author, Ariva Martin. Okay. I have a question for you because this is something I've always wondered. You know, as we look at building wealth, building legacy, um, and investing in ourselves, you went to Harvard Law School. It's without question one of the most prestigious. How do you feel now um, for folks that are considering law, Um you know, to change their lives, change the Mm -hmm. lives of their families, but also need to go into it getting student loans. There's so much talk with student loans right now and whether or not it's worth the investment.
2: Yeah, and you know, actually there are a lot of people who now are saying that they're not encouraging their children to go even to a four-year college because of the cost, because of the student loans. I don't agree with that. Here's how I think about loans. I think about a loan for education as an investment in yourself. And And if you are going to get ahead in life, you've got to be able to invest in yourself, whether it's a wardrobe or, you know, whether it's getting your teeth fixed, people get their teeth fixed. I mean, there are all kinds of investments you have to make depending on the industry. And so student loans when taken Mm -hmm. out for school. Now, what we see a lot of folks do oftentimes is get student loans and they're traveling (laughs) and they're buying those $5,000 bags that we're talking about. And then- Sometimes they don't even finish the school and they're left with the debt and they don't have the degree. So they're not able to earn the money that would allow them to pay the loans back. So I came out of law school, college and law school debt. So you know, a lot of debt, but I was making the kind of money Mm -hmm. that would allow me, again, on a budget, (laughs) be frugal, to pay my student loans off. And the reality in this country is there's evidence, you know, you, you've seen yes. it. College graduates over their lifetime make a lot more money than non-college graduates. And as a lawyer or as a physician or a nurse or any profession, you're likely to make more money than True. that non-professional person. Now, you know, we're, we're setting aside all those, you know, tech billionaires and, you know- There's always anomalies and outliers, and, you know, absolutely. Athletes. We're not talking about the. Yeah. We're talking about people that are going, you know, regular people are going to college. So I think it's a tremendous investment You know, know what you're getting into. Make sure it's a reputable school, that it's not one of these, you know, fly by night, uh, for profit schools that's just out to Mm -hmm. gouge you. Try to get the best interest rate that you can. Understand how much you're borrowing. Borrow just what you need. Don't borrow for vacation. This is not, you know, free vacation. This is not free money because you're going to have to pay it back. And And then, plus interest. interest, And then figure out, you know, the kind of job you're going to need. And get on a plan and you pay it off. I mean, I have paid off thousands and of thousands of dollars thousands, of student loans. Tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands, but it was so worth it. If I had to do it again, I would do it all over again. So I think people, loans get a bad rep. Right. But the reality is if you're poor, even if you're middle-class, unfortunately the cost of education in this country is what it is. I wish it were free. Right. I wish these colleges, you know, they have billions of dollars in endowments you know, would make college more affordable. And some are starting to, like USC, University of Southern California, uh, families that make over 80,000, under 80,000, they offer tuition free for those kids. I know Yale and Harvard, all of the top schools in the U.S. are starting to make tuition free programs available to middle-class and low-income kids. So there, there are opportunities to go to school in a lot of instances, without all of the loans, because there are so many great programs out there. You know, what's really incredible is you talk about
3: these beautiful and strong women that created this village. And I'm fascinated even just in the story of, you know, your your godmother, I guess, who was almost like, you know, the financier. <laughs> yes. She worked as a janitor, but she had this ability to save I think people on the outside looking in, they'll be like, well, it was easy for her. It was innate for you. You know, you, you're okay with sacrifice, but I
2: want the Chanel bag. How? No, I was, was at it. Harvard yeah. with all these wealthy kids. No, to the contrary, it was not easy. I mean, there was temptation all around, as they would say. Uh, no, it, it took a lot. And no, I am not perfect. In some years, I didn't save as much. And I fell into a credit card trap, which is another oh, trap. Oh, my next question. Tell about me the stakes. You know, the credit, because when you get to college, oh my God, every credit card company in the world starts yes. sending you credit cards. Yes. And you, you know there is attractive and seductive and I ended up in a huge credit card uh, you know, mess where you are charging food and charging again, you know, tickets and a year later still paying this exorbitant interest rates for activities you did a year ago. Eighteen, you don't even remember who did I go to that dinner with? And you're still paying for it. Uh and that's a trap. And the credit card companies know it. And I hate this about our country credit. Your credit. You need credit in order to have a high credit score. Absolutely. So that's what they tell young people. You got to have a. You have to have credit to have a high credit score, and you have to show. You have to build it up. So you take our card, and and you pay it every thirty days. That makes a lot of sense. Except a lot of you know kids don't have that discipline to do that. They don't have the financial resources to do that, and they end up in this spiral and this trap uh, around credit cards. So. I've been there. So anyone thinking that it was easy? No, it wasn't easy. Remember, poor, poverty, no father, not living with my mother, grandmother in a wheelchair. Nothing easy about that. (laughs) So let's be clear about that. Uh, But, you know, you do what you have to do. And I did learn some lessons and I try to remember those lessons and some days, you know, better at it than others.
1: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever.
0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply
4: we started talking about this incident drugs and uh, officials cover up
0: <laughs> you couldn't believe it
4: from iHeart podcasts it's
0: like the police knew who he was before they got here
4: a story about money power
0: and corruption
3: Well, you also wrote an incredible book called Awakening, Ladies' Leadership, and the Lies We've Been Told. Yes. Um, Tell me what it was like to sit down and put all this into a book as an author. And what was really the impetus for you to write it down and pen
2: a book? Yeah. The impetus was the conversation that we were having in this country around race Mm. and systemic racism. And as we're having the conversation as a civil rights lawyer, I was really engaged in that conversation and really you know, excited to see for the, you know, in this era that people were willing to acknowledge and explore systemic racism. But, you know, I'm saying, OK, but there's another piece of this, too. And as a woman and as a woman of color, I experienced not only racism, a great uh-huh. deal of sexism. And, uh, you know, there are only five percent of the lawyers in this country are African-American. Five percent. Five percent. Five. five very white male dominated profession even though now there you'll find probably equal numbers of women and men in law school so mm-hmm. you know you'll start to see more women but not necessarily more black women mm-hmm. uh so when i started my practice I was always mistaken for the court reporter or the paralegal Paralegal. or the secretary or, you know, anybody other than the lawyer. So, and it was always in my mind, is it the race or is it the sex? And it was probably both, you know, oftentimes it was both. So I wanted to also have an honest conversation, not just about race. Race is very important to me, but also about sex and gender. And one of the hardest things in this book that I had to do, because one of the lies that I had to confront was the work ethic that the, the, the lie, and I call it a lie and I just, I'm saying it in a loving way Okay, that my godmother and grandmother instilled in me about work because they suggested to me that if I just worked hard, that I would get ahead, you know, and they too had bought into, you know, America as yep. a meritocracy. So yep. I don't, you know, they, they taught me what they knew, but I know better. <laughs> and I, you know, So when you know better, you do better. And we're not a meritocracy. And n- sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work. You as a woman still may not yes. get on that job, the yes. same salary, the same promotion opportunities, the same benefits as that male. You may not get the same clients. You may not get the same projects. And that has nothing to do with your work. So here I am. I You literally cannot outwork me. I mean, literally, I'm like the hardest working person. That's what I was taught to do. And as I got to be an adult and, you know, started to realize, you know what? In some environments, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how hard I work because it's not about me. It's about the system. Yes. And the system is set up to advance certain people and those people don't look like me. So I had to confront that. And for me, in some ways, it was like challenging the women that love me and raise me. So that was a, that was emotional for me. That's a big one. Because I've lived my life yes. being this hard worker. If I work hard, I'll <laughs> yes. get
3: to where I, he,
2: that's a big one. Yeah. And you
3: know, especially in law, I have a lot of friends that are black women who have, are lawyers and what was fascinating to me is a lot of them aren't practicing anymore. And again, this, it comes back to whether or not it was gender or the fact that they're black women in law, they're yes. just,
2: it's hard. It's very difficult. It and- is very disheartening
3: and it's very hard. Yes. And you know, there's so many of us that have these conversations that are like, you want to go to work and work hard, but it's, it can be just a beat down.
2: Yes. And if you look in the legal profession, the number of judges, you know, it's always a conversation yeah. about the lack of black women uh, in federal judgeships. You look across the largest corporate law firms uh, in this country, firms where lawyers are making two, three, four, five million dollars mm-hmm. a year in salaries they're not i mean it's a handful like yeah. i can count them on two hands the number of black women that are in those positions so women often go into those jobs and they get churned out yeah. you know the system just churns them out so uh, that confronting that lie was yeah. very difficult uh, for me but i wanted to have conversations like this about women and the things that we think uh, we've been taught Uh, are the issues when really it's not us because we can't work any harder. And you've seen this uh, statistic that women, particularly Black women, we're amongst the most educated Educated. demographic in this country. Yes. So why doesn't that translate? Why aren't there, you know, just hordes of Black women in the C-suites, in big corporations? Since we're supposed to be a, you know, systemic, right? But there's supposed to be this connection, right? A dotted line between higher education, get your law degree, get your MBA, get a PhD. And that should open up opportunities. Now, of course it does, but... There are still barriers once you get to a certain place, which is why you know on a good year we might have two black right. women as CEOs, and most years we have right. zero. Right. And, you know, Rosalind Brewer oh. just just was uh, asked nicely to, to leave Walgreens, so us with zero. Th- I think as for <laughs> any given year is yeah. more often than not mm-hmm. is zero. She was only there two years. Yeah. I mean, so that was a really brief stint for her. Uh, so that's what the book I, I wrote. We oh, still book. have to
3: Sondra. The Sonda's still at TIA. I was trying to think of one other. Oh, TIA.
2: Yes, there's one. One other. Because I was like, wait, are we down to none? We we lost 50% with Roslyn. 50%. 50%. Yes. So what, you know, I want to
3: at least, sometimes there aren't, there's always encouraging words. Yes. But is there, what do you say to, you know, women of, you know, that are, Working hard. We've been taught if we just work hard, we're going to get there. And these are the coffee table conversations I have with my girlfriends and stuff. Like, how do we support each other? You know, we know, and I love this, a loving lie that we perpetuated. But how do we support each other and how do we make it through to the other side?
2: Well, I I think we... You know, we don't stop working hard. We work smarter, right? Mm. We, we use this knowledge that we now have. We know it's the system. We know it's not us. We can get over imposter syndrome because we know there's nothing wrong with us. We know we are worthy. Mm. We are available. We're talented. We're skilled. We can do the job. and And we've just got to affirm that. For ourselves and our circle of friends, we have to do that all the time. Good morning, gorgeous. Good morning, gorgeous. Good morning, gorgeous is is such an important part of this. It's just that affirmation. And we can't give up. You know, uh, the civil rights leaders in the 50s and 60s often would remind each other, and I think remind future generations, you know. Equality is not one in one generation. It's every generation's responsibility to keep fighting. So we don't get tired, we don't get weary, and you know, sometimes we have to sit down, take a break. Yes. You know, we have to uh, sit back sometimes, but we have to just keep pushing. We we can't give in. You know, and we reject the patriarchy. I say we that reject to Reject the patriarchy. We reject it, just reject it. And it's hard when you've been again inculcated with these messages. It's easier mm-hmm. for you know to reject it and start teaching girls at ten and twelve years old to do that. Uh, but for women who've been in the workplace and who have been, you know, uh, witness to right. these structural barriers and witnesses to the guy that you've trained who now is your CEO, I have a good friend. She's a white woman. Went to Stanford. She has an MBA from Stanford. And she tells me to this day, she was like the smartest, had the best grades, would tutor, helped all these guys, these white guys. They're all CFOs, CEOs. And she has struggled because she took time off. She had kids and she has a, a son. Uh, both of her sons have some disabilities, one with autism. And Her husband was a lawyer, Mm -hmm. but she, Stanford MBA, became the main advocate, caregiver of the household. Mm -hmm. And then she's trying to get back into the workplace. She's looking at these guys, these guys that she tutored who are now at the heads of these companies. And she's struggling to get back into the workplace. And, And that is just such a common story. And when I wrote the book, I interviewed her and I interviewed so many women like that who were either in a position... And found themselves out of a position, yep. either forced out of a job, uh, left because it was, you know, such a toxic environment, or in her case, left to, you know, be the primary caretaker for her two sons. This, so it's, there's
3: a company in Atlanta, it's called Momcord, and it was started for this exact reason, because there are so many women who are highly educated. Yes. I mean, just... The top echelon, right? And they have kids, they take a break, they're managing a family and they want to go back. Yes. They might not want to go back five days a week, 40 hours. But let me tell you, women, even at 15 hours, you know that what we give to our jobs, what we give to our roles surpasses a 40 hour work week. And they started this company to address that. How do you help them transition Mm -hmm. back into the corporate workplace, maybe part-time, maybe this knowing that this... And even that company... They were a sourcing and, um, staffing company, even that company with this dedicated, <laughs> she had trouble raising money because people are like, I don't know. Is that really feasible? Oh, okay. So this part, this part of the patriarchy yeah. as we're, we're talking about it, yeah. and I love using that word because it's strong and I think it makes men go, oh, why yeah, do we have it to call it oh, that? I love it. <laughs> and <laughs> Just, so I it does like say that, that it's such fit. a bold <laughs> yes. word and we are using it intentionally <sighs> yes. to make sure people know, like, we know what's up and we are trying to break this down and yes. having these conversations. Um, but I appreciate any other lies that you, you talk about yeah, in your book? Yeah,
2: I, I focus on five. Mm-hmm. Obviously the book would have been 2000 pounds if I <laughs> <laughs> articulated every lie that we've been told as women. Uh, but I, I, I hone in on the five, the five that I think most of us have been told at some point, uh, in our lives. And the second one, or it's not necessarily in this order, but one of the other ones is about looks,
1: mm. right? Ooh. So this is a...
2: country where the beauty industry, you know, is multi, multi multi-billion dollar beauty industry, but yet women are often told that a couple of conflicting messages about looks, either we're told looks don't matter. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. what you bring to the table. Again, it's your productivity. It's your, you know, your product that you produce. That's all that matters. Just focus on that. Or we're told that as black women in particular, that our looks are not Eurocentric enough. Like we can't wear braids or natural natural hair hair. or, you know, you can't look a certain way. You know, you're in the media. I work in the media. And women have to struggle with, am I going on national television with braids? Am I going uh, with a wig or a weave? And, you know, all of these things that we have to think about in terms of our looks, that is counter to the message that your looks don't matter, right? right? It's It's your your, hard work and work ethic. It's your hard work. It's your talent. But that is a lie. And we know there's studies that have been done. Lighter skinned women get privileges that darker skinned women don't get. Thinner women are treated mm-hmm. differently than mm-hmm. heavier women. So all of these things uh, that women have to contend with, you know, around looks, you know, now we're, you know, Lizzo and, and women, you know, this whole focus on body positivity, yes. just be who you are. And still people are like, well, you know, you know, I really wish she would do this, or I wish she would do that. So, you know, you, you can't win, right? You can't, you, you win, can't for trying. win. And literally, stories, people literally, when you're on TV, Right, you it. had time to go and find my website. Get me, find my email to send me an email. You know your makeup is really too gray for you. You <gasps> know that makeup is really uh, too dark. Is that your real hair, my aunt? I have, and this is lovingly my... Having a fight with her friends about my nickname growing up was Rebe. Is that Rebe's real hair? Because you know she always had really long thick hair. I'm like auntie, what does it matter? If I bought it, it's mine. Who like cares? it's my hair, but. Again, those are the things that lie, yeah. that looks, you know, so many conflicting messages around it. And we see it leads to women having uh, eating disorders, absolutely, uh, self-doubt. self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, depression, anxiety. I mean, real mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, you remember the amazingly beautiful young woman who was the beauty queen, MBA yes. lawyer, yes. uh, Chris Lee. I had not, I didn't meet her, but I had an opportunity to interview her mom a couple of times. I've gotten to know her mom and, you know, she suffered from depression. So she had some serious mental health issues, but a part of it was, you know, she became a beauty queen. She was almost 28 or so mm-hmm. feeling like working in the media. She was already too old yeah. and she was 28 years old, but the other pageant, you know, Queens were 19, 20, just pageant culture is, you know. Vicious. So already, and this was, I mean, this girl had an MBA. She had a a JD. She she was an extra, you know, red carpet correspondent. Mm -hmm. So on the surface, she had everything, but still she did not feel like she was worthy and she had enough. And a lot of it in talking to her mom was, the messages, the images, and pe- she was biracial. Yep. And the hate, she would, you know, white people would say, well, you think, you know, you, you're not acting white enough. Black people would say, you're not acting black enough. She was just torn. Uh, and it really had, you know, it, it worsened her yeah. mental health issues. So yeah. that is a huge lie. And we grapple with that. And one of the messages we send to young girls and, you know, about their bodies, about their hair, and in the, uh, the patriarchy yep. it goes way back white men have been policing black bodies from day one, telling us what we can wear, what we can be, how we can act, how we can wear our hair. And again, you know, it, it's our time to reject that. To reject that and to and find that's our why own I just, strength in
3: who we are. I just I love just that. Just as be as a who
2: line. you are, be authentically you. And I love that in this moment, at least there is some Conversation about it, some awareness and acceptance. And then don't get me started on black men because they too. Start.
3: Let's let's talk about them. (laughs)
2: Because love them, married to one, you know, love them. But they've been inundated with those white supremacy messages about what looks good Mm -hmm. and what women should look like, which is why we see a lot of black men reject black women darker skin, black women, you know, women that don't fit again, that Eurocentric, uh, you know, aesthetic we've been ha- I was having this conversation with someone about the whole, uh, Erica Mina. Oh, that's a know, hot that topic whole, right now. Uh, yes. debate and, you know, do black men prefer kind of ambiguous race and exotic, you know, women and- who are ambiguous in terms of their race. Uh, and, you know That's an issue in our culture that we we got to be open and honest. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If we
3: helped you make your money move, please share it with your community. Subscribe and leave us a review on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Greenwood and visit us at gogreenwood.com for more financial tips. And remember, money movers, if this were easy, everyone would do it. So take the lessons you've learned from this episode and apply it to your life. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve.
1: Until next time. It's brand new, season two.
4: Or a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown? Sleep tight stories.
0: It's like the police knew who he was before they got here.
4: From iHeart
0: Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. she's breathing
4: right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line.
1: Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew.
4: I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.